Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Activate Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Activate. So last week I, I, I came and I, and I shared this vision and, and, uh, and I was excited about it. I was excited about the vision. So, you know, I got on social media and uh, on Instagram and Facebook and, you know, I posted this post. And it was, it was really because, you know, because I was the one that shared the the, the, the vision for the church, I was a photo of me that some, some of the guys took and, and next to it they had the, the vision of the church and I thought, wow, this is such an exciting post, especially with all the announcements that I put in there, right? But it's actually really weird because when I went to the, uh, my Instagram, uh, you know, page and when I went to, to Facebook, the, uh, when I looked at the comments that people had made, the first comment on, uh, I can't remember which one it was, but the first comment on my Instagram page was like, wow, what a shirt. I thought, that's odd. And I went to Facebook, and someone went, wow, look at that shirt. <laughs> and I was sort of thinking to myself, like, yeah, but did you catch all the other stuff that I said? <laughs> like, I know that, that I was wearing a colorful shirt. It's like, okay, I think we just need to move on from this point. Yeah, there's something about that shirt. I'll tell you, I've worn that shirt a number of times. And every time I do, there's something weird happens. I get down and people are like, wow, nice shirt. I think what they're really thinking is, wow, you're bold. You put it on. You actually wore that. And, and so I thought it might be helpful to explain to you how I arrived, maybe at the decision, why I wore that shirt. And stay with me because I am actually taking this somewhere. So, so it's Saturday night last week. And I had intended to wear just this black sort of you know, button-up shirt. And anyway, I guess I hadn't worn it for a little while. And I got it out and I was like thinking, yep, great, ready to go in the morning. And I put it on and something really interesting has happened to me over the last sort of six months. Um, Now, either the shirt has shrunk or I got bigger. We don't need to figure out which one it was. But anyway, the point is, is that I put the shirt on and it was sort of stretched around where all the buttons were sort of meant to be done up. And so I looked at it and I looked at myself and I was thinking, man, I can't wear this. So I went out and I looked at Sarah and I said, Sarah, and I said, I can't wear this, can I? And she just gives me a look sometimes, like I know what she's thinking. She she just looked at me and she didn't say anything. And then she was like, yeah, no, you you, you definitely cannot wear that, you know? And and, and imagine if what people would have actually said about on my Facebook page had I worn this shirt that had like just little gaps in it, you know? It's like you can see a bit of skin here and here and here, you know? And and, and, I, and I thought, that, <laughs> I don't need that kind of drama in my life. So so anyway, I, I, I didn't wear it. And, and one of the reasons why is, yes, I wanted to be comfortable, absolutely. But the other thing as well, well, is that other people's opinions matter, you know, and I wanted people to not think I looked ridiculous. So it's true, sometimes other people's opinions matter, and, and sometimes we want to look our best. I read, you might be familiar with this story, I actually read a story about a, a, an Instagram model, and um, I feel like you guys know what I mean when I say that tonight, but but I had to introduce that term to some people this morning in church, you know, and I'm like, it's an actual thing. So there was this Instagram model who decided that she was going to revolt against her own Instagram account because she realized how crazy it was making her. In fact, she was obsessing about how she looked. She said, I think she said that the point that really illustrated to her that she needed to change and she cared too much what people think about is that there was this photo of her sort of on the beach that she got her little sister to take. And she said, we took about a hundred photos just so my stomach would look good in the photo. And, uh, and I yelled at my sister and I thought, this is crazy. You know, and so then she started, she took down all of her photos and, and closed down her half a million followers and, and just went off social media for a while because she realized it was making her crazy. And I think it's okay to care about other people's opinions, right? Because they're going to have them and, and sometimes we've got to be okay with it. And it's, it's okay to care, but I want to tell you that there is a point where you care too much. There is a point where other people's opinions just matter way too much. And one of the reasons that I want to preach this message is because we are in the middle of a series called Be Bold. And I have learned that one of the enemies to being bold is when you care about so much about what other people think about you, you shut down your, your thoughts or maybe your perspective because you care more about impressing other people than being honest about who you really are. And so I want to preach into that tonight. And I want to preach a message to you called An Open Window. 
So I'm going to read to you out of the book of Daniel. Uh, just going to introduce this to you. Daniel is a book in the Old Testament. And, and just so you know, uh, it, it, the story or, you know, the book of Daniel revolves around a guy called Daniel. And they weren't creative with the names, but, but his name is Daniel. And just so you know who Daniel was, he was an exile from Judah. And he was carried off into another land. When he was carried off, he was a teenager. And the thing that the Bible says about Daniel is he had an excellent spirit. And it was recognized in him. And and the people uh, that were around him could see that that was on him. So we're going to jump into chapter 6. Now, just to bring you up to speed, what's happened is Daniel has been serving uh, the king that took him into exile. And he served multiple people. But he's really been there for, uh, you know, probably around 60 plus years. So at the point that we pick up this story, Daniel is actually in his 80s. A lot happened in six chapters. And there is a king that has just recently been appointed. His name is King Darius. King Darius acquired the kingdom by force. So he has recently taken over the kingdom and he has a lot to prove. And he wants to unite the kingdom because he doesn't need the drama of internal conflicts. So his leadership decisions at this point really matter. We pick up the story in Daniel chapter 6 and verse 1. It says this. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps. There's a word you use all the time. I can't think of a day that I haven't used the word satraps. But for those of you that don't use it very often, it simply means a governor of a Persian province. It says, so Darius, uh, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 governors of Persian provinces to be throughout the whole kingdom and over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one to whom these satraps would give an account so that the king might suffer no loss. Verse three, it says, then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. And listen to this. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. He served the kingdom for like 60 years. And there was no scandal around Daniel. There was no accusations in 60 years that anyone could make against Daniel. I'm I'm trying to paint for you the kind of man that Daniel was. You would think after a lifetime that they would have a few things to point to. Times when he made a mistake or times when he said something that he shouldn't have said. And yet he served you know, faithfully in the public eye and people knew who he was. And after 60 years, they still had nothing to point to. I just found that personally to be impressive. As then uh, these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against Daniel unless we find it in connection with his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, King Darius, live forever, which is how they would greet him. King Darius, live forever. It's really nice, actually. If people just said that to you, Hello, Ruth, live forever. So King Darius, live forever. And it says, And all the high officials of the kingdom and the prefects and the satraps and the councillors and the governors agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever uh, makes petition to any god or man for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. That's pretty serious. It says in verse 8, Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. So now for the next 30 days, no one can worship anyone except King Darius himself. This is the idea. Now, when we read this, you sort of think, wow, this guy, King Darius, maybe he had a real God complex. I mean, they came to him and said, hey, everyone's going to worship you. But I think it's actually a, a little bit more important to, to Darius. He, he probably realized, of course, he knew that he wasn't, you know, God. But it was probably more this idea of trying to bring unity to a kingdom that was fragmented with different religions. 
And so what he's really trying to do is bring unity because he cares about there being peace being established in the kingdom that he's now presiding over. And if there's peace, everyone's going to think that, you know, Darius, King Darius is doing a really good job. And, and King Darius kind of cared about that. So he said, yeah, okay, uh, this is a good idea. Now we read this now and say, it looks like a stupid idea to worship this man as a God. Um, but back then it seemed like a good idea at the time. I want to ask you a question. Begin tonight really by asking you this question. How important is it for people to like you? How important is it for people to like you? You know, there have been times in my life where I guess I've just been really aware of who I was in a room with at the time. You You ever been in that position? It's like maybe there's someone whose opinion matters to you. And so you kind of think about how you're going to act. Maybe you think about how you're going to behave. Maybe you're just at a party and there's someone there, but you really want to impress them. So you kind of act a different way so that when they see you, they think, hey, you're worth knowing or something. I don't know. But, but you act a different way depending on who's in the room. People do this all the time. Just acting a different way depending on who they're trying to to impress. Why? Because so often to us, other people's opinions of who we are matters. I remember being in uni and I was in my third year and there was a teacher at my university who I really already early on had the impression did not have any relationship with Jesus whatsoever. And he asked a question, a very public question. He said, Do we have anybody here who says that they are a Christian today? Is there anybody here that's a a Christian? Who's who's willing to put their hand up? If that's you, just sort of put your hand up. And at that point, I recently dedicated my life to Jesus. And and I, I already understood that I was, you know, if I was to put my hand up and say, yes, I'm a Christian, that it might not end so well for me because I didn't get the impression that he was you know, impressed with people that were Christian people. And and when a university uh, lecturer decides to point out who the Christian is in the room, it's not going to go well. I already knew that. So so he says, all right, who's going to do it? You know, is there anybody that's here? And, and at that very point, I was very aware of who was in the room. I was aware that I was in a room. I didn't really know anybody uh, and because I was transferred to this uni and I, I didn't know anyone. And I wanted to make a good impression. And I certainly didn't want to be the strange one in the group or the one that sort of no one talked to. And so I was tempted to be silent but I had this thought that went through my mind and I said if I can't be honest about what I really believe now even though I I, admittedly I had been a you know I was was probably a young Christian at that time just recently recommitting my life to Jesus I thought if I can't be honest you know when will I ever be bold enough to take a stand for this and I said okay I said yep I'm a Christian and he pulled me up and and he said all right I want you to get up here and stand and his whole plan was to get somebody from another religion and then make us fight it out about who had the better religion I thought what a stupid thing to do right and and, and so that was but this was his whole plan and and do you know what I was tempted to be silent I was tempted to be quiet I was tempted not to do anything because and I I, I guess I didn't really want to be bold because I had this impression that it was going to cost me something. You know, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I was okay to be bold in front of my Christian friends, you know, at my church. You know, I was okay to talk about the fact that I had faith in Jesus in front of the people that knew that I was already a Christian. That's where I was really bold, um, you know, and, and, and I could be bold about my faith in front of the people that already knew that I went to church. But I, I had these different worlds and I think last week, Ro did a great message on how sometimes we try to separate our worlds, you know? And, and we do. I, for me personally, I had different worlds. I had my uni world that was very new. I had my family world at home. I had my work world. I had my high school world, you know? And, and God forbid that my, my high school friends should ever meet my church friends because I just did not see that going well, you know? And so what I tried to do is keep my world separate. And people that struggle with being bold will often do this. They'll often try to keep the world separate because not that you have necessarily cognitively processed it like this, but I think most of us would understand that if some of our worlds actually collided and the different people from different groups in our lives were to meet, that there might be a price to pay for our honesty in terms of the friendships that we have. 
So you know what people will often do? They'll often shift their values depending on who's in front of them because it becomes incredibly important to impress the right people. No one teaches people to do this. We instinctively understand this. You know, I'm a dad. I have three kids. And right now, I, I, we are in a beautiful age right now where my opinion matters in their lives. So here's, here's how this worked. This happened recently. Uh, two of my kids were fighting. One of them called the other a name. And, and, and he was really upset about it. And so he came and I found him and, and I picked him up. And he said, you know, he said this about me. And I said, well, you know, I'm telling you, that's not true. Don't believe what he says. I'm saying that that's not true. You don't have to believe that. I know who you are and, and, and that's okay. And you know, that was so reassuring to him. And, and the reason why it was reassuring is because as a parent, I carry great weight in his world. My opinion of who he is, it matters to him. Because, you know, he's seven. But something happens just after this age, you know? We don't teach anybody to act this way, but something, something really odd begins to happen. I'm going to say around about maybe age 11, maybe age 13. There seems to be this thing that happens with people where kids start caring less about what their parents think of them and more about what their friends think of them. And this is a phenomenon that you will see anywhere, you know? And, and, and let's face it, it doesn't just happen in school. It happens, I mean, if, if you have been around in like workplaces, if you've got a job, you will know that even in, in jobs, there's, there's different levels and classes of social groups and it happens really easily. And so sometimes there's this, you know, this cool group that people desperately want to get into. Let's just call them the A group, you know? And so there's like a, there's maybe an A group and a B group and a C group and then the rest of them that are really weird, you know, and, 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 you know, by the way, who cares? Like, you know, I actually quite like weird people, you know, and and so it doesn't matter what you're in, but, but something happens in people's minds where what they start to do is think, how can I move up another social class so that people see me as somebody that's worth knowing? And what begins to happen is they shift their values from what their parents have told them when they were younger so they can impress other people because their opinions matter so most. They care so much about what their friends think. And so they let go of some of the good things that they've learned and they've been taught and that they should understand to impress people. And this is where it starts to get really crazy. Here's it. Let me, let me just tell you from experience, okay? Oftentimes, if you, if you have loving parents and they tell you something, they are giving you good advice because they care about you. It doesn't always work that way with friends, It doesn't work that way when you're trying to impress other people. They will never love you like your parents probably love you. And and so the point is, is to to get rid of everything that your parents have taught you as a child just to impress people so that you can feel popular or, oh my goodness, please make it into the A group. That becomes just too important for some people. And I think it's crazy. It begins, it starts to be a trap. Let me tell you why this is crazy. It's because even if you drop your values and start to behave like the people that you're trying to impress so that they think you're worth knowing or worth hanging out with, they might just change their minds the next week anyway. And so you can end up falling into this trap of constantly trying to impress people whose opinions don't really matter. I'm telling you, it doesn't end at high school. You see it in the workplace. It, It doesn't matter how old you are. What's really weird about this is people don't even grow out of it. It just matters to them how much other people's opinions of who they are, it just becomes exceedingly important in their life. You know what the scriptures say about this? In Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25, it says, The fear of man lays a snare. 
When I say fear of man, what I really mean is we are so afraid of the opinions that other people have about us. And if you think and overthink and uh, too much about what other people are, are going to think about you or say about you, so you spend all of your time trying to impress people that you don't really need to impress, half the time they're probably the wrong people anyway, it becomes a trap because you'll never grow out of it. You'll end up being this person who is not self-confident, whose sense of self self-worth depletes to an all-time low and your entire validation is in the mouths of people that could change their mind in a moment there's something wrong with this picture it doesn't make sense the scripture says that the fear of man lays a snare but he who trusts the lord is safe why do you think that is because god will never tell you something that's going to be bad for your life when you begin to sacrifice some of the good things that you know God has asked you to do in order to impress the wrong people, I'm telling you right now, you're making a mistake. This is, this, is a, this is a really bad place to be. See, you can't please everyone, but you can please someone. You just need to decide who you choose to please. Joshua chapter 24, you can read this. He talks, he's talking to Israel. And you know, he says to them, choose to stay whom you'll serve. He says, you can serve the gods of this land, you know, you can serve just like the pagans that are surrounding us. You can worship the gods that they worship. But by the way, me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Something bold about that, you know. Something bold about saying, you can make any decision you want, but I know who I am. And I'm not changing who I am to fit in with you. He actually says it to the entire nation. It's like, there's a lot of them. Imagine saying to the entire nation, hey, by the way, I don't care what you do. You can all go one direction. As for me and my house, we're staying with God. I love that confidence. I love that boldness. It's like, I know who I am. I'm not compromising my values out of fear that I'll be rejected by other people. You know what I've learned about this whole thing is that you will obey the people you fear the most. And what I've discovered is that whoever you're obeying or whoever you're trying to impress is a great revealer of who carries the most weight in your life. It's a great revealer of whose opinion matters to you most. If in a moment to impress people that you don't need to impress, if if you drop your values and drop everything you believe and act in a different way so that you can impress people, it's, it's almost like what you're really saying, the statement that you're making with your life is, I care so much more about what you think than my God thinks about me. And again, this is a big problem. There's something about this that just doesn't seem to make sense. For some people, it's a boss. You care so much about what your boss thinks about you. It's like, you know, you're willing to compromise what you do, what you say, the kind of the ways that you work. You know, you act differently about your work friends. You use language that you would never use about your church friends. Let's keep those worlds separate, you know. You know why? Because if my boss likes me, he'll promote me. You know what? The scriptures say that promotion comes from the Lord. So sometimes you've just got to realize that it's worth sticking with God and trusting Him for the outcome rather than trying to solve everything yourself because you just end up chasing the wrong thing. And it doesn't actually seem to really help you. For some people, it's a co-worker. You care so much about what your peers think about you. For some of you, it might be a spouse. Maybe it's a girl you're trying to impress. Maybe it's a boy you're trying to impress. You know, whatever it is, if there's someone in your life whose opinion can set you high and bring you low with just a look or a comment or whatever it is, I'm saying that you may have entrusted your entire identity to a person that's not really worth trusting in the first place. Is this making sense to you tonight? If you need everyone's validation, or maybe just someone's validation, oh, please. I hope you accept me. I mean, it sounds stupid when you say it out loud, doesn't it? But, but I mean, I guess internally, this is really what's going on. Oh gosh, I hope they like me. Man, I hope they think I'm cool. I would never say that out loud, but it sounds dumb when I say it out loud, but this it's genuinely how I feel. I just want to be accepted. I just want people to like me. I want to be popular. Oh my gosh, to be popular. I want to crack a thousand followers on Instagram. How many, how many likes did I get? Did I get enough likes? I hope I got enough likes. Why didn't they like me? They should like me. I don't, I don't get this. It doesn't make sense. You know what? This is crazy. This is people's. This is what's going on in people's minds. You know, when I say it out loud, you're laughing because it sounds dumb. 
And yet I would say that there's a pretty high percentage of people that are having this conversation on your average week, maybe your average day. And it doesn't make sense. If you need everyone's validation, you're likely, or someone's validation, and it becomes exceedingly important to you, you are likely to compromise your values in order to gain their approval. And it was really sad, and I've seen this happen before. It even happens with people's calling. You, know, you might be gifted and grace God wants to do something in your life, and yet despite the fact that you are called gifted grace, you know, it, it's like unless the right person affirms it or the right person says it or it's endorsed, you know, it's like you, you just couldn't handle it, you know, and, 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 and unless the... I don't know, like, unless the senior pastor speaks to me, now I'm important, you know. It's, to me, I just think this is crazy, you know. I, I, I don't understand why this stuff gets into people's heads, but it does. You know what? If you're preoccupied with the labels that people give to you, it'll create a dysfunction in you that is impossible to please Jesus. And by the way, Asterix, you will struggle so much being bold. You'll never follow Jesus boldly if you're always worried about what people will say when you do. You see, fear is an enemy to boldness, like obviously. Because when you're afraid, if you're too afraid, if the scales tip too far in that direction, well, you, you just, you'd be quiet, you'd be passive. Remember years ago, I was working in a sales job and my boss called me and my colleague into the office and we're standing there. And, and this is the thing. In fact, he wasn't even our boss. He was somebody that was put in charge for like five minutes, okay? And he cared so much about what the boss thought about him that everything had to go well. And there was like some minor issue, not a big deal, okay? And so I'm standing next to the the person that I was working with, and this guy began to tear shreds off this person. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. He had like veins popping out of his neck. He was like, his face was red, he was yelling. It was insane. I couldn't believe it. And, and I'm looking at it. And while this is going on, I'm starting to... Have you ever seen injustice and being confronted with injustice so, so much in front of your face that your blood starts to boil? Like your temperature starts to get hot? Like I'm starting to get... I'm like, I'm getting so mad, right? I'm getting so mad and I think, this is not right. I, I, I should say something. I should say something. I... I should say something, but I didn't say something because I was so afraid that if I did, everything that was happening to her was going to happen to me. And so rather than turn the spotlight on myself, I just was silent and I watched it happen. And I was so mad. I was so mad with myself when I got out to the car and I sat down in the car and I said, I will never, ever remain silent when I see something like that again. I just can't afford to do this. If I had been bold enough, I would have spoken up, but I had too much fear in my life. Let me explain to you how this is demonstrated spiritually in your world, and you'll experience this all the time. When God wants to change something on planet Earth, He, he selects people and He chooses to work through them. If you've been in church for any period of time, you might have heard somebody say something similar to this. They'll say something like, Jesus, let us be your hands and feet. All we really mean when we're saying that is, God, we want you to work through us. We want to be involved in seeing your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as we see in heaven. So God, use me. You know, uh, let, let, let me be part of what you want to do on the earth. And so we say those things. Now, I want to explain to you something. The enemy of your soul, devil, is real. Okay, And he is not bigger than God, and he's not more powerful than God. It's not even close. And, and, and you should know that the enemy of your soul is 100% defeated. Now, the devil knows this, and he knows that he can't stop God. He doesn't have a hope of stopping God. But see, there's this little thing that happens here where God elects to work through you. So what the devil will do is he'll fill you with so much fear that if you don't have the courage to believe that God is going to do something through you, it essentially kind of prevents God from doing something on the earth because you refuse to be used by Him because you're so afraid of what will happen if you do. You know, like I see people that struggle with having a vision for their life. It's like, what does God want to do with me? God, what do you want to do with my future? It's like, that is so fuzzy. You know, it's fuzzy. I've experienced that. God, where, where do you want me to go? I'll do what you want. But Lord, speak to me, right? How come that's always fuzzy? But the moment you start to step out, your greatest fear comes with incredible 4K clarity. That thing is 3D. You see 
the highlight reel of the disappointment on people's faces when you fail. You see it. It's like so easy. What will they say? What will they be labeled with? If I fail, this will be public. This will be horrible. I will look ridiculous. I will look like an idiot. And we couldn't have that, you know. And, and so because of all the fear and the intimidation, what if I'm rejected? What if I say I want to do this and no one believes I can do it, you know? Like, like but I think it's from God and oh, I should just keep it to myself, you know? I'll wait for three confirmations and one has to be from the senior pastor you know like I'm saying you get what I'm saying to you tonight as I'm saying you can be so full of fear and the labels that gonna, people are going to put on you that it prevents you from being bold enough to step out and do everything you know God is actually speaking to you about see when we need approval from others it's just a revealer of where our identity really is it's a revealer of what our identity is I was saying to some of the people this morning that if you're a parent and you see your, your child beginning to care too much about the opinions of other people, maybe their friends or their peers at school, I was saying to the, some of the moms and the dads this morning, and I would say it to anybody that's a parent here tonight, don't stop being a parent in order to win the approval of your child. You know what people need in their life is someone that loves them enough to tell them the truth. Because in a world where we're willing to put our identity into the hands of people whose whose opinions matter to us so much, you need someone that loves you enough to say, don't go there, don't do that, don't make that decision. And when you're older, if you are here and you're in that position right now, you'll know exactly this point that your parents had it right in the first place. But I, what, I, what I've started, you know what I start to see sometimes? I see parents trying to be friends so much so that they're willing to just ignore all the wrong stuff they see their children doing so they can be close because in a really weird way, parents care about their kids loving and accepting them. And I'm saying that there are roles that you'll be given in life. Stop dropping those roles so that you can accumulate the approval of people in life. It's not the way that you're supposed to live. In fact, Paul the Apostle, he said this in Galatians. Let me tell you what happened in Galatia first. There, there, was, a, a, there was a church that was planted in Galatia. It was planted by the Apostle Paul. And he had heard that there were these guys that were coming in that were... Uh, you know, saying that they were Christians. So yes, they accepted that Jesus died on the cross for their sins and were saved, you know, by, by Jesus' death on the cross. And they accepted that. But they also, at the same time, said, no, 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 but you still need to obey the law. And Paul is saying, I am astonished that you are deserting the gospel that I gave to you. Like, why? Because these people come in and they tell you that they're important and suddenly you care so much about their approval that you are going back under the law and and, and not receiving the grace of God in your life. It was getting crazy in Galatia. These guys were coming in and they were saying, yeah, you're saved by grace. But there was, I tell you, one of the points that they were really intent about was making sure you got circumcised. They're like, oh, yeah, 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 you need to get circumcised, which to me is insane. I'm like, why would anyone argue in favor of that? Like you would think if there was a religion with an option to not have anything cut off, that people would say, that's the one I'm choosing. Upon finding out there's no circumcision in Christianity, it should have exploded. There should be a revival right then. People say, yes, give me the option without the circumcision, right? But yet there are people, strange people, saying, oh, no, 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 you absolutely need to have it. So here's what Paul says. Paul says, no, 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 listen, you can't add a thing to your salvation. If you decide to get circumcised, it's like you're saying, God, I'm really helping you get me across the line. And I'm telling you, you can't add one thing to the work that Christ did on the cross. See, if you don't understand the gospel, let me explain it to you like this. You're saved by grace through faith in Christ. And no matter how good you are, it won't add a thing to what he's already done. You just need to get that inside of your mind because you can't add anything to it. So Paul, dealing with this, dealing specifically with these guys who consider themselves to be quite important, he says this. Now listen in because this is good. He says, am I now seeking the approval of man? Like, am I really going to change what I believe so that you'll accept me? 
Should I shift my theology and no longer believe that we're saved by grace so that my popularity within the church that I planted would begin to increase? Is that really what we're doing here? He says, am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? You know, come on. You got a choice. Whose opinion of you matters most? If you're trying to please people, you might go one way. If you're trying to please God, you may go another. He says, if I were trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Maybe if you're taking notes, you should just put that into your phone right now. Because there are times in life where being a Christian is directly in opposition to pleasing people. But you just got to make a call on who you want to please the most. I, I love what Paul Scanlon says. He, he says, you know, not being liked won't kill you. If this wasn't so expensive, I would just drop it and walk off, but I'm not going to do that. Not being liked won't kill you, but being controlled by the wrong people or wrong people's opinions or needing the wrong people's approval, that just might kill you. You know, I, I think that's true. They're not literally killing people, but I've seen ministry get killed over stuff like this. Did you know that being a pastor, most senior pastors don't make it past five years. And you know what I really think? The reason that they don't make it past five years is because they're so busy trying to please everybody. And I'm saying to you, it's not that you don't want to do the best for people. You want to help them. But something better happens when you put God in place and he becomes the number one and you please him first. It's amazing how everything else begins to fall in line in your life. So if you've got people that are so busy trying to please everyone else, this is the problem with trying to please everyone, by the way. If you desperately need people's approval, they don't all agree anyway. So work that one out. How are you going to please everyone when they don't agree? By the way, they might change their minds. Okay, so if you're looking to avoid anxiety and a heart attack, the best thing that you could do is just put God in His rightful place and say, I'm just here to serve you and worship you and everything else can fall where it needs to fall. Are you with me tonight? You get what I'm saying. You need to think about the position that God has in your life. By the way, let me just asterisk this, everything I'm saying. It's actually okay to want people to like you. You know, like, I want people to like me. You know, if people don't like me, I don't have a job. If people don't like me, I don't have friends. You know, if my family don't like me, I'm, it's going to be hard to live at home. You know, it's, it's okay if you don't want people to like you. But when you want people to like you so badly that you're willing to shift what you believe and become another person to impress the wrong people and drop your values in order to fit in, man, that's a mistake. That's, that's not what God wants you to do with your life. You know, um, there are people among us Maybe some people even here tonight. And then we know that you're bold. There are people that we can see. We could just see it on you. We just know that you're bold. One of the easiest ways to identify these people is if you ever see someone that is wearing socks with thongs, you know for a fact they don't care about anyone's opinion. They don't care. It's quite obvious. They don't care what anyone thinks. They're like, I will wear this. They have selected comfort over everything else. They are more interested in being comfortable. They are so bold that they say, I will face the rejection for the comfort of my feet. This makes sense to me. Do you know anybody like that that just uh, has, just, does, is there anyone here tonight that just says, all right, yeah, it's true. I do it. I wear socks and, and thongs. And just, if that's you, just put your hand up. Yep. Yep. That might be a Filipino thing. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying to you that we can identify it by the way that people act on the outside. How about another one? I'll tell you this. You know, there's another group of people that don't care what others think. They don't care too much about other people's opinions. Old people. <laughs> old people, you could decide what's old, by the way, okay? So if you're sitting here and you're in your 50s, like, I'm not talking to you unless you think it is you, okay? So this is... <laughs> old people don't care 
what people think. You know why? I'm not even making fun of here because I reckon that you, you get to a, an age in life where you realize all the anxiety and all the worry that you spent in your life thinking, what do they think of me? And am I going to be okay? And am I going to make it into that group? And will I move up to another social class? You realize after all of this time that all of that worry and all of that concern did not add one single thing to your life. You just get to a point where you say, it's okay. I don't need everyone's opinion to be okay with this. That's why your grandma doesn't care. She, your grandma's the boldest person you know because she doesn't need your approval or anyone else's. She's been around long enough not to care, all right? Let me tell you how it is. Have you noticed that? As people get older, they get bolder. Oh, that preached well. That must be a Holy Spirit thing because it just came to me. You know, when I read this story, I'm reading about a man that's in his 80s. Not only does he have an excellent spirit, not only is he dedicated to God, but he's in his 80s. And he doesn't care. He knows who he is. Can I, uh, can I read to you what happens next? Because right now, Daniel's got a choice. He can be bold and he can pray or he can close his windows and he can hide and never show people what he really believes. So he's got a choice. He's going to make a difference. You know, sometimes we're just worried that someone's going to have a bad opinion of us. He's actually going to be fed to lions. So he legitimately has a reason to be concerned. It says this in chapter 6 and verse 10. It says, when Dan, when, listen to this. This is so good. He says, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, upon finding out that it had been signed, he went to his house where he had his windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Don't you just love that? That's bold. How bold is that? As soon as he knew that the document has been signed, he went straight back to the place that he always went to and he just kept praying. It's like he's making a statement with his life and he's saying, you can pass any injunction you want, but I know who my God is and I know who I am and I'm not shifting or changing or worshiping that man. He cannot take the place of my God. I know what I believe. I love this. It says in verse 11, then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any God or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? Then the king, uh, the king answered and said, the thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction that you have signed, but makes petition three times a day. When the king heard these words, he was much distressed. And he set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement and said to the king, No, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and the Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded commanded and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions the king declared to Daniel may your God whom you serve continually oh I love that by the way can I just say this the God that you serve continually like not the God that you just pray to when everything starts to get tough not not that you have recently developed a prayer life, an intense prayer life with God because things are going wrong, but this is just who you are. You pray continually. You have a relationship with God. He said, may the God whom you serve continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet and the signet of his lords that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. So he didn't eat overnight and they considered it fasting. That's cute. It says, no diversions were brought to him and sleep fled, fled from him. In other words, he was freaking out because he was so worried that Daniel was going to die and he cared about him. And he was worried about it. Sometimes you've got to do what you know is right over what you know will make you popular. And if you do, it will free you. just got to do what you know is right you know when we read the scripture that the one i just read to you it says several times that no injunction that's been signed by a king can be changed according to the law of the medes and the persians they say it multiple times only that it wasn't actually true that's what they said as a recording of what they said not a recording of what was actually true because he was the king 
And if the king wants to change something, the king can change anything he wants. The problem was, is that the king was recently in the job and he didn't want to look like an idiot. And he cared about the fact that all of his governors would see that he reneged and went back on something that he signed. And he didn't want to look foolish in front of people. He had it within his authority at that moment to set Daniel free and no one could have done a thing about it. But his uh, self-image would have taken a hit in the public eye. They would have said things about him, maybe like, oh, you know, but this king, he signs a thing one minute, changes his mind the next, this guy flip-flops around, I don't know if we can trust him. And he was so worried about the opinions of the governors and the counselors, the satraps, the opinions of the people, that he said, he just hid behind that law and said, well, uh, even though he's my friend, even though I care about him, even though I think that this guy is a guy that we need, he hid behind that law and he said, I guess we just have to let him be eaten by lions. He cared too much about what other people think. I love this from Daniel. It says that Daniel, what did he do? Well, as soon as, he, as soon as he knew that the injunction was signed, he went up and opened his windows and prayed like he'd done before. In other words, he said, I, I know you're going to be watching me because I realize what's going on here. But I'm going to open up my windows anyway. I don't mind that you see me pray. Can I encourage you to do something in life? Have an open window. Why should you hide what you know is truth? Why should you pretend to be anything else other than yourself to impress people that you don't need to be impressed by? You know, they didn't need, you know, you don't need that in your life. I'm I'm saying to you that you should live an open life and just be honest and transparent and don't try to continually adapt by dropping and changing and shifting your values just so people will like you more. I don't think that's the kind of people that God's created us to be. And trust me when I say this, you can absolutely do this. It just depends whose opinion matters most. See, I've learned that fear of God A healthy fear of God frees you from the fear of labels people give you. A healthy fear of God. When I say a fear of God, I don't mean that you should be, you know, necessarily frightened by Him, but but you should at least appreciate how big He is, how significant He is. It, It really, what I'm saying to you there, what it means is you should care more about what he says when you see him as he is, when you understand who God is. I mean, let's face it, you either believe in God or you don't. And if you do and he is God, then don't you think what he says about you matters most? Don't you think it's his opinion that you should be most concerned with? And while you're thinking about who is the one that matters to me most and who's the person that I need to impress the most, you should consider The one that made you is the one that has the right to label you. He created you. He made you. He knows you. And some of you have had labels that people have stuck on you. And you've worn that thing like it's your identity. Like just because somebody said something to you years ago, this is who you are today. But my my thoughts on this, uh, if God didn't say it, you might not have to believe it. In fact, you might be really interested to know the labels that God would be willing to put on you. You know, in the eyes of the world, your label might say rejected. Your label might say different. Your label might say weird. Your label might say a lot of things. But you should know what God would put on you. You know, what what He would stick on you, He'd stick. You are loved. You are mine. You are a child of God. He would would say this to you if God was going to stick a label on you. Before I tell you what it is, just remember who it is that is saying it. He would stick this label to you. He would say, you were worth dying for. See, even if everyone else has rejected you and nobody else thinks anything of you, the one that matters most is the one that would give you the best label and you would have to take his opinion above all others. And if you're unsure about this, you should know who this God is. He sent His one and only Son, Jesus, to die on the cross to save you and set you free from your sins. 
He thought that you were worth it, so he sacrificed his only son. You should recognize that. You should see it. You were loved by him. You were saved by him. And if you start to really be more preoccupied with what God says about you than all the other labels, all the other fears, all the other things that people say, you you just kind of become like Teflon. You know, that stuff just slides right off. It has nothing to stick to. I'm telling you right now, I think that some of you are, are facing challenging situations where, I don't know, maybe you do care too much about what other people think. If it takes you three hours to construct an Instagram Instagram post, you are among this crowd. I, I'm saying that maybe you're facing a pressure situation, a boss you need to impress, a person in your school, a person in your university, a person in your workplace. Maybe it's a leader, maybe it's a pastor, whatever it is, but you, you just care too much about what they say about you and, and you're facing the pressure of that situation, the pressure to be liked, the pressure to be loved. And I'm saying it's possible that you're looking in the wrong area. By the way, pressure is okay because it builds character. I think so often God is interested in who we're becoming. I want to read to you how the rest of this story goes because it's so good. It says this in Daniel chapter 6 and verse 19. It says, At the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God, by the way, I think it's amazing that that was the words that came out of Daniel's mouth. You know? I kind of feel like, don't forget, this is the guy that fed him to a lion's, like a den full of lions and put him in there overnight. I feel like at this moment, Daniel could have said a lot of things like, Oh, Daniel, was your God able to deliver you from the lions? Yeah, you idiot. Like, no thanks to you and all the rest of it. You know, the thing is, is Daniel loved God so much, he found a way to be honoring to the people that even put him in the mouth of a lion. This is what I'm saying to you. When God is in his right place, everything else begins to fall into place the way it should. Verse 22, it says, My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him, and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad, and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. You'll always end up obeying who you fear most. Whose opinion carries the most weight in your life I feel like for some of us maybe the thing that we need to do is realize that his opinion matters most and maybe tonight the thing that you need to do is you need to put him back in his place and I feel like for some of you it's going to bring you some freedom if you put him in his place everything else that you're concerned about will begin to fall into place I want you to stand to your feet tonight Hey, thanks for listening to the Activate Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you are encouraged today and we would love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to activatechurch.com.